Um, so the, the, the main, so the, the, easier, the easier concept here when it comes to cheating is a concept in halacha called uh, genevastas, which uh, literally translated means stealing the mind, um, which really, that's, not, that's a bad translation, that's a, trans, that's a literal translation of the word, stealing the mind, but it really means giving off, you, you, it's prohibited in Jewish laws to give off a perception that's false. Mm-hmm. Give someone intentionally a false perception. Okay, so the classical and the, the, the sefta, which I quoted here on top, first uh, quote here, the sheet, yeah, the sheet, says that actually lifts seven types of genevas. There's seven types of uh, forms of stealing. Okay, that the sefta lists. Um, you know, seven types of theft, and it says the most egregious of all seven types of theft is what's called geneva stas. I don't remember why I tried to look up the this morning, I didn't see why, but assuming it means it's because people think it's not a big thing, I'm giving off the false perception. You know, that, and that's, people don't view that as geneva. Kidnapping would be worse. What? Huh? Kidnapping would be worse, right. but I guess. It's not on the list, actually. Kidnapping is uh, not, uh, that's, uh, that's a difference. It's one of the Ten Commandments. That's Ten Commandments. But, uh, but theft, theft of the mind is also this Gnevis, uh, this Gazelshina, for example, stealing someone's sleep. There's a lot of different forms of theft. So the worst form of theft says that theft is, is Gnevis Das. What's the classical case of Gnevis Das? The classical case of Gnevis Das, the Gemara talks about, is inviting someone. You go, you know someone, you heard that, I heard that Johnny was leaving town this Shabbos, going to Marland for Shabbos, and uh, so I invite him for a meal Friday night. Thinking I want to score points with him, show him I'm really friendly with him, really hate his guts. I want to score points with him, nothing personal. And I, and I invite him for Friday night dinner, knowing that he's leaving town. He doesn't know that I know he's leaving town. So the Gemara says that, that's, you're, you're violating Geneva's task, because my goal is to give him the impression that I love him, I want to have him for dinner, but I really don't. I only he invite can change him. his mind, though. What about leaving town? Okay, so wouldn't that be a good thing? Then I'll tell him leaving town. Isn't that building shalom, though, in a sense? Like no, so, if you're, so you're right. If I'm just doing it part of it, if, if, on, if it's the norm, and this is actually very really relevant to our topic, if, it, if it's the norm, meaning it's protocol, you go over the guy and chill, say, when he comes to us for Shabbos, that's not Geneva's death, so you, know, you don't want to really have the guy. But if I'm constantly bugging him, mm-hmm. and, I, and I find out a schedule when he's leaving town, and those are the Shabbos that I come over and invite him for specifically, because my intention is just to score points for him, but I really do not want to have him for Shabbos. That's where it becomes. I'm, I'm conveying that false impression, which is what's called Geneva. Okay, so that's what the Gemara says. Um, another example, the Gemara, the Gemara gives a few examples. Uh, this, this is actually uh, another example is like someone comes to your house. In those days, they wouldn't have bottles of wine. The same applies to a bottle. You have a very expensive bottle of scotch. So you, you, uh, you open it up. The guy comes for after meal, you know, for the meal. Say, I'm opening this bottle just for you. Or you, you know, do you imply that you open Really, you, you know, you're anyway. You're, you have a client coming soon, and you're going to serve it to him or a bottle of wine, which goes bad. Over there, the Gemara is talking about a barrel of wine. So I open a barrel, even though I have a customer to buy the half a barrel. I make believe I'm opening it just for this guy. He came over, let's make a wine. So that would again be conveying this false impression that this guest is so hush that I'm going to open a barrel of wine just for him. But it's not true. So that, that is what the Gemara, another, the yeah, third example I always say, which is very prevalent for rabbis, but it's prevalent for a lot of people, is you're going to visit someone in the hospital. And you, uh, you know, you're going to visit a big donor. So you, know, you really wouldn't. Uh, I'm not a public rabbi, so I don't schlep at the hospital just for anyone. <laughs> if it's over a fifty thousand dollar donor, you know, I'll go to the hospital. 
Okay, so um, so right, but then you're you're on the seventh floor in, in St. Luke's or wherever it is, and then this guy comes out of his room in his pajamas. He says, Rabbi, I can't believe he came to see me. Some other guy would never think of going to see because he's he's only a twenty-five dollar donor. Okay, so so that again, that would be another example of Geneva Stats. Now, of course, you don't have to embarrass the guy and tell him I'm an idiot. I didn't come to see it. That would you know you don't. That's not obviously you don't do that. I mean, you're not going to embarrass him, but. So this, so that's where it comes in. As we're going to see, there are exceptions to the rule, and, and that's where it's also the gay, the questions of the astro. So that this, so. Case wasn't intentional. Oh, true. But now the question is, when he comes out, I, do I make believe? You know, I had flowers, let's say, and I give him the flowers. Mm-hmm. I say, wow, I had, yeah, I bought these flowers. I knew you like, uh, you know, tulips. I give him that. So that would be you're right. So no, does it have to be intentional or not? That's part of the part of the issue. So, so it's a good question. So let's just read the the num- quote number two is from the Shulchan Aruch. It says one should not give the impression that one is doing something for another when he really isn't. For example, he should not urge his friend to eat with him when he knows that the person won't accept the invitation. He should not send gifts when he knows the person won't take them. It's another thing. I know this guy doesn't accept gifts. That's his thing. He doesn't. He never accepts gifts. But I'm when I come Friday night or whatever it is, I'm gonna offer him a nice gift, knowing full well he, I know his, his rule is he doesn't take gifts. So it's really so again I'm conveying that false impression, which is a problem. Okay. Um, but again, there's like you don't know if the guy's gonna take the gift or not. You, you think no, I know. He never. Gift. His rule is. You know, he told me a long ten years ago. He never takes gifts. So I didn't make any exception. That's the thing. Like again, yeah, but I'm saying is I am I. If I thought he would take it, I wouldn't be giving it. That's the point. But if, if that's the case, then yeah. okay, so that's, that's what we're talking about. Okay, so but do you think there's a small chance Yes, that's take something it? else. So, you know, if, again, that's, uh, but my goal is to convey that false impression. That's where it's a problem. Um, you should not open, another example, the Shokhan brings, you should not open a fresh barrel of wine, the remainder of which has been sold to a merchant, unless he informs his friend that it wasn't open specifically for him. So if I tell the guy, listen, I have a customer coming, that's why I'm opening this good bottle of wine for you, this $50 bottle on it today, $50 is nothing. $150 bottle, $200 bottle for you. So, so I tell him, you know, I really wouldn't open a few, but or that's not so bad. Is there a chiyuv to do that? If you're opening it, there's assumptions for him. Do you go by the assumption he might think it's for him, and so? so we're going to talk about that in a second. Mm-hmm. We'll get to that. It's a good question. So he said, but if it's the kind of this is where the Shulchan mentions, but if it's the kind of thing the friend should have realized. So the Gemara says a case like this. The Gemara says a fascinating case. It brings a story. It's actually the Gemara there is talking about uh, the Gemara that talks about this. Avicam is talking about um, selling non-kosher meat to a guy. So technically there's no problem. A guy doesn't have a chiv to keep kosher. He doesn't have an obligation. But he thinks because I'm a Jew, I'm the Jewish person, I'm selling kosher meat. People think I'm in the kosher business. Make a disclaimer. People think kosher is healthier. People want kosher, even non-Jews. Most, by the way, the reason why kosher is such a big market today is not because we're Jews. Most Jews don't keep kosher. Anymore. It's because of the, the kosher market is a billion dollar industry because Kraft, everyone wants to... People have a health wants, perception. Right, they think it's healthy, which is totally false. Yeah. It's itself is a problem with the um, but, uh, but Not healthy on packages. <laughs> right after right, right. But the point is that, so now a guy comes into my store and I have some tray for meat in the back, not clap meat, whatever the case is. Can I sell it and he thinks it's kosher? So I say, no, it's awesome. Even though there's no Avera, of a guy eating the non-kosher, no sin, he's not doing anything wrong, but you're conveying again this impression that this is kosher meat, even though, and he wants kosher meat. So the Gemara, that's us, it's an issue of Geneva's task. But... Don't apply for non as well. Don't mind for non Yeah, Geneva's task applies, yeah, it's very important, that's why it's relevant to the asteroid. Geneva's task applies even to non-Jews, as at least for you. Uh, uh, it's, it's in the realm of Geneva, I believe even for a guy, 
it's us. As far as I, I know, I don't remember seeing this anywhere clear, but the point is, it's a type of stealing. Torah says stealing is usur, even from they know. It will be usur, even if you're not Jewish. Not only for Altuve, who is a Jewish guy, Bregman, he's really not Jewish. Happens to be his father's Jewish, his Jewish name, but he's halachically not Jewish. But assuming he was, assuming he wasn't, he isn't. So it still applies for guy for Benayach also, I believe. Gnevis um, It's not limited to Jews. As Jewish conveying the false impression, or or the person uh, doing the, the one conveying, or the one receiving. Either one, um, I believe, it would still be a problem. So the Gemara is clearly saying here. For you, for you to convey a false impression to a guy and, and he assumes the meat is kosher when it's not, is a problem. So, now, so the Gemara says, but let's say he fooled himself into thinking that. So the Gemara brings a story to Tanayim and says they were going outside, they were coming outside the city. They were going on a trip. They stopped in a truck stop and there was another Tana coming the other way. I don't remember the name. Another Tana coming the other way. And he thought, you know, these rabbis were coming out to greet him. So he said, wow, thank you for coming out to greet me. Is that covered? And they were really going to get a Starbucks and stopping to get a stop in the bathroom, in the, in, the, in the truck stop. They weren't coming out to greet him. So they didn't say anything. So the other, after the guy left, um, the other, uh, one of the uh, Tanoim asked another one, said, why, why did you say something? He said, it How could you not say something? So he said, he fooled himself. That's what kind of answered. I didn't convey a false impression. We were going outside the city. Happens to be, he thought, he fooled himself and thought that we were coming to greet him. You don't have to say something in that case. Similar to the hospital case, going back to the hospital case, meaning if you go to visit someone in the hospital and someone walks out of his room in pajamas and makes you sign in, um, and, and, uh, and he thinks you're coming to visit him, you're not mechuyif to say something. He fooled himself thinking that I come visit, uh, you know, uh, any guy in the hospital. That's not my problem. Okay? Meaning, so this is a very important thing. So, meaning, if it's, if, and then we'll talk about this a little more relative to the astros. So, if, if, if you didn't intentionally, like he said before, didn't intentionally convey them false impression, you're doing it. The Torah is, you're, you're just going somewhere. I was visiting this guy in the hospital. Now this other guy comes out of the room and thinks I'm visiting him. As long as I don't give him the tulips and say, why, bro, you your favorite tulips or favorite uh, chocolate, that's fine. If he's fooling himself, that's not my problem. That's what the Shachanar is saying. It's the kind of thing the friend should have realized. And he's fooling himself by thinking it was done to honor him. For example, when a person meets his friend on the street and the friend thought he had come specially to greet him, which is that story in the Gemara, it's not necessary to inform him. I don't have to tell the guy, you're a shit, that he wasn't coming. You know, it's, that's his problem if he's fooling himself. Okay? So that, that's a very... Now, how to define that, that's going to be complicated, as we'll see, relevant to our Shiloh. So, so the question, so just applying this, the case of Astros, so there's no question, cheating in a game, in any game, if you're at the Astros, even if you're playing, uh, you know, uh, Scrabble with your wife, or whatever, banana, or whatever you're playing, that's also a problem, meaning if you're conveying, any time you cheat in a game, as we're going to see, you, you're conveying a false impression, that you have skills which you don't have. You know, I can't spell to save my life. You know, if I, you know, so if I see, right, if I saw the letter and I take it, so now, you know, I'm conveying skills that I really don't have. That is, can I have a staff? There's no shy about that. Okay, so cheating in any game, or as we'll see in, uh, even on, we're going to talk about exams, I'll say academic, in academic settings, is no question, can I have a staff? Okay, so, so now if you, some of the questions relevant to, so what is the, what are the questions? The last one is, of course, it's going to have a staff. You did something wrong. That's not the shy But, question number one is, an athlete steals signs from who are, who are the potential victims here of the Geneva staff? So they really, this is, gets to the question of the a class action lawsuit is who is cheating? Is it the, pl the other players? Meaning that think this guy, wow, he's a great pitcher, he's a great, have a great hitter, right? Whatever the case was, or is it the owner of the team? 
um, that think they hired these great players are really not, they're not so skilled. They're just doing it because they're getting the signs. So now the next time the guy gets a contract, another team's going to hire him as a free agent, whatever the case is, because they think he's an unbelievable hitter. But he really isn't. So are they the victims, the owners of the teams, uh, or the fans? Like we're saying, the fans are coming to a game. They're paying to see a certain level of skill, professional skilled professional athletes. And they're really, I mean, maybe they're professional, but they're, they're not as professional as they're making themselves out to be. So who are the victims? And that would be Miguel also, as we can see, recouping if they want to recoup their ticket costs. Do they have a right to do that? Who are the real victims? And that's question number one. Question number two, and I don't, I don't know, I'm not sure I know the answer to that, yeah, as of now. Um, number two is, are these victims, quote-unquote, fooling themselves into thinking that the player is actually better than he really is? Is there any false goodwill in, engendered by the player? Meaning, this gets back to what you were saying before. If everyone in the industry, it's a known thing that everyone cheats. Everyone, let's say, go back to the steroids, the old scandal from 15 years ago. Right, if everyone, all that everyone knows, you know, 50% of players in, in the MLB, most professional sports are taking steroids anyway. Right, so you are... If you're the customer and you're buying a ticket, you say, wow, I never realized that they're cheating. So you're fooling yourself. Because it could be it goes into this gather that the Shulchan Aruch is saying, you should have known. Everyone knows that they, everyone takes steroids. Well, every, specifically with sign stealing, everyone knows sign stealing is an issue. Mm. Uh, right, exactly. You know, they, they, so that's the, the question. Only, the only thing is, is people didn't realize technology was involved. Oh, like, so, so. so that's so from what I've heard. But even if they were aware, like, but not being aware that the technology was involved really isn't so much of an issue because I don't think that they would have anticipated that that made such a big difference in the game. So, th so that's so. the question. Meaning, mm. so uh, from what I've heard in, in my uh, in limited research is that sign stealing, stein, sign stealing is a normal thing in baseball, in all baseball. They've been doing that for 100 years. Right, 50 yeah. years, uh, 1950s, I don't know, whatever, do the math, how long it's been going on. It's been scandals, Babe Ruth, I mean, uh, you know, even the old days. The question is, the, here is the first time they were caught with technology, using technology. That was really the only difference and in past scandals is here they were using technology. But so it wasn't the first that. time technology was used. The first time they were caught, caught using technology. <coughs> yeah, they got caught in 1951. It's a very famous incident. Yeah. And there was no re repercussion. Where? In which case? 1991? It's 1951. The Dodgers and, and the... Technology? What was the technology? What was the technology in 1951? Telegram. A, a telescope and, uh, and a telephone. Uh -huh. wow. Binoculars and a telephone. Uh -huh. And a buzzer. Cool. There was another incident where uh, they had a guy like that and there was a, um, a wire underground to the third base coach and there was a buzzer underground and, and he would... Step in the buzzer. So this, just for my own clarity, so the coach has <coughs> a microphone. No, no coach. So, so it was, why? It was so the, it's the catcher. The catcher. No, in general. No, no, no. I'm not saying in the Astros. In general, oh. it's the catcher that's deciding what pitch the pitcher is going to pitch. You have to. Yeah. yeah this is not my. Basically, feel. what happens is the catcher. <laughs> the catcher doesn't decide. The catcher uh, gives suggestions. Basically, the, the the pitcher will accept or, or reject those and okay. push the next one. But each time, he's relaying by a sign. I see. So, why, why does the why does the, uh, why, the why does the do why does the catcher have any say in any of this? Like, why does the pitcher? Why does they have to know the game? They have to know what's going on. It's a partnership. It's a partnership. It wasn't this like a, they watch TV of inside the, the bullpen of the other side or something. Was that this, this the, the, situation? The catcher needs to know what yeah, pitch is being thrown. This was a camera like set field that was going to the bull. Because it's going on the you know lower left hand corner of the dugout, and then they were banging the garbage can. I see. Yeah, yeah, okay. So what? 
wasn't obvious, like watching the pitcher and the catcher. It was more intrusive. Yeah, I'm saying yeah. the camera directly focuses. So anyway, so so the so again, if if it's the norm in the industry, we're going to see and how to define it. Is something called what's called the average man, which which Allah actually discusses. I mean, it's a legal concept also. I believe yeah, reasonable, reasonable, reasonable man, right? So meaning this is very relevant in every the truth is to discuss in every advertising that right? ever watch um, you know, late night TV or anything is the advertising, you know, especially Super Bowl advertising, whatever it is. You know, it's meaning as we know, let's say uh, um, women sell cars, right? You know, women sell everything, but all right. So no, it's meaning if every car advertisement has a woman. Driving, right? So no one, the reasonable man, I'm assuming most people don't really think to actually buy this car. They're going to get a date with that woman, mm-hmm. or someone uh, similar. Right? No one thinks that they're going to get a date with Kate Upton because she was in the commercial, right? But that's the goal. The goal is to convince you that if you drive this car, you're going to have pretty women coming at you from all over the place, right? That's what they're trying to sell you in the commercial. So is that Ganevis Das? No. So there's, there's actually, by the way, this is legal cases mm-hmm. that were that was discussed also. Actually, copy some legal cases. But um, where they actually, the courts ruled that whatever the reasonable, even though there are some people, the people with low IQs, they really think that they're going to buy that car, thinking they're going to get a date with this with this pretty woman. Okay, if people will actually do that, they'd be surprised. But the the rule, the courts ruled, and halacha, I think, is the same in the sense of just because there's a few mishagayim. The majority of people, we understand, the reasonable man is not going to think they're going to get a date with that woman because they're buying this Corolla, a Prius. Right? You, have to, you have to step up your game if you want to actually get the pretty woman. Right? So, but, but they're trying to portray that. So, so meaning, so that, even though there are people who are going to be fooled, but they're fooling themselves. It's, you know, it has to do with what the Shulchan Aruch is saying here. They're not, I'm not, listen, again. Well, it's not a lie. There are women who just will go with you for the car. Yeah, but not for the Prius or Corolla. Yeah. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> so, so meaning. Ferrari, it's true. Yeah. 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 They advertised they a free Toyota, you, but, you know. and someone no, so came they, in, they won the Toyota. It was a toy Star Wars Yoda. And they sued them, and they won got a car. It was a dealership. It's a new Toyota. Then he's standing by it, and he acts like it's not his or whatever, you know. So there's two. So it's very important to understand. It's relevant to this. Meaning again, so halacha. Sorry, it's actually the courts, the American courts, from what I read, agrees with Allah with, from what the Shulchan is saying here. If you're fooling yourself, the, the reasonable man will not fool himself when they watch an advertisement and think that, you know, they're going to, whatever the case, whatever the advertisement is. Everyone knows when you watch a Burger King commercial and the cheese is dripping down and you start salivating, it doesn't look like that. You actually go to Burger King or wherever you're going, and the food doesn't look half as good as that. Right. They have special photography and they, they do tricks. They, they, you know, they make the stuff trip down the side, the cheese, exactly. Half the time, the right angle. Half the time it's not even food they're using. Yeah, I'm saying it's all, it's all yeah. fake, but it's understood. No one really thinks, everyone, no one, everyone knows it's not what the food looks like. <laughs> and so, so therefore the reasonable man says, so they're fooling themselves. So uh, in, and Allah recognizes that, and Allah says, that's what the Gemara is saying with that story with the Rabban, with the, with the Amorayim that went out over there, Tanayim, whoever they were. So it's the same thing. So it, that's one thing. There's also something called 
embellishment. Like everyone knows when the advertisement says, you know, your you know, five out of six doctors recommend this toothpaste. You know, really, you know, there's not. They never spoke to any doctors. In many cases, or many times, it's the little print, the fine print, only on the bottom. That no one can see. They flash it on the screen for ten seconds. So that's part of advertising. So people understand it. So the question becomes: In baseball, assuming again, I don't know uh, how prevalent the cheating is. So if everyone knows when they're buying the tickets, and every every athlete is there's there's cheating going on. Part of the part of being part of a professional athlete. So then it could be again they're fooling themselves or they. Right, when they buy the ticket. So they can now join a class action lawsuit say, we thought we were watching all these wholesome players who, who would never have to cheat. So you know, that's, that's one application. That would be for question two. Are the victims for themselves and think that the player is actually better than he really is? So that's how to apply that. So that would really be relevant in what the most, you know, you have to do a study and figure out what the reasonable man thinks. You know, does the reasonable man know about sign stealing or not? Or it's just uh, him who knows a lot about baseball. But you can't go to a baseball game thinking nobody's cheating because you know every year, despite the, how good the testing is, you get 80 so games suspensions for steroids and stuff like right. that. So that's what I'm saying. So, so it's saying hard to say during, that the during, the time, during the time where those players were playing before they got suspended, you know, and that happens all the time. But there was also a question about what he's saying. One second, I want to point out. He, did, he didn't know that the Astros were cheating. He came to his room not knowing the Astros even cheating. I don't want to embarrass him. Both, who, who are the Astros? <laughs> so meaning... Yeah, but what you right. so, so, so he's so maybe not the reasonable man. You're not the reasonable man. Maybe. But, but, but you know, also easy. If it's the purpose of the sport is to entertain, are you less entertained that you know? That yeah, for sure. For sure. By the way, if it wasn't baseball, no, I'm, saying, if I'm, not, it wasn't I'm baseball. coming to a family game. The only many people only take their kids to baseball. They won't take them to a football the games. That's a family. So but does it matter that it's baseball and not hockey, for example? Because America has a different perception mm. of baseball. Yeah, yeah so that's what I'm saying. One is a wholesome yeah. family game, yeah. and one is uh, right. football. Right. <laughs> so that, that's a good, interesting question. I don't know how much the management is actually enforcing the rules, because there was a time when baseball knew about it, and deliberately looked the other way. Okay. If it was and known, was what I'm saying is it's not relevant they're forcing it. The issue is if it's known. Is it known See, by the reasonable man? Over time. Okay, you know, so that's a good in question. In the 70s, right. people weren't aware. In the 80s, people were aware. So that's part of the shayla, and that's number three. Can a class action lawsuit um, on behalf of fans to recoup their ticket sales be filed? Actually, Elliot Sin, who works in the office in the last scandal, which was, I don't know, in 2012 with the steroids, with, uh, who was the catcher and the Astros? Guy was a, who they disqualified. Who was the guy, the guy they caught on the Astros who was taking steroids. No, 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 Johnny, he was a catcher. The Astros was 12. It was Jason Castro. <laughs> no, I don't know the guy, whatever. I know he was a catcher. It was, the point is, so he actually tried to, at that point, uh, make a class action lawsuit, and he didn't, uh, the judge threw it out at the time. At least he tried organizing a, a class action. So now it seems like they're doing it again. I don't know how many people actually signed up. but So that's that's the question. Now, what's interesting, now I'm going to show you, Maisha Fancy has a tshuva. Um, and I'll admit my sins today. This is written, and I believe the truth is written, it's in the back of your sheets, you want to see it inside. Um, it's written in 1980. Um, even though, interestingly enough, um, when I was in, I don't want to age myself here, when I was in, I believe I was in 10th grade, I was taking New York State, those of you who are not from New York, has a standardized testing for high school called the Regents. In order to graduate, to get a Regents diploma, it's called the New York State Regents. I think they're probably the last state that, all, that still has it. Um, and if you want a Regents diploma, you need to take the standardized testing on all high school topics, um, subjects, 
um, in, throughout high school. So the, um, I, I believe it was when I was in 10th grade, it was the chemistry regions. That year, the New York Post published on their front page the answer key of the chemistry regions, the morning of the regions. Regions was, let's say, 10 o'clock. Oh. Got your paper on your doorstep, and the New York Post published it. Um, I'll show you actually I found a picture of it. To, that's one way to sell papers. Um, yeah. Yeah. This was the, I don't know if you could see it, you could pass around, the front page of the New York Post, 1989. Um, For teachers okay. on the ground. <laughs> so they published the answer key, and of, of course, who was where they buy? They, they were showing how easy it is to buy it. That was their point. Hmm. You can buy my days. You pay. It was, it was cheap. Maybe ten dollars. You can get the answer key to any any regions. This is before cell phones. Before uh, it was like a couch. So people, what would do is, um, and they would break into the. Was the, the state would send a sealed pack, you know, a cellophane wrapped um, test for the regions. It would come, you know, two days before. It's in the principal office. And many yeshivas. Security was not that great at that point. Hmm. People would uh, break, in, break in, whatever it is. People had the keys to the principal's office. He went in through the bathroom, whatever the case was. And, uh, and people would get a hold of the regions and then they would sell, sell them. And it was, uh, it was very prevalent. I'm not saying if I um, passed through that way or not, but uh, it was very prevalent. As a matter of fact, so in this case, after the New York Post published the answer key, um, they had a crackdown. So they arrested a guy, and of course, Nabokov's yeshiva guy, who was the carbon, who they claimed, they found out who the Post bought it from. And it was actually a yeshiva guy. Um, who I happen to know personally today is a big rabbi, sends out a weekly parasha thing. <laughs> <laughs> With the answers to it. <laughs> um, um, so uh, he's a good guy. I'm not going to say his name in public, but, but you can Google it. Wow, he was, yeah. uh, I know him personally. So then they, they showed it was a big halashem, of course, and he took him out of handcuffs. I mean, literally, it was a, it was a big thing because they had to. After this happened, they had to crack down. Um, How much did he make selling it to the Post? Not, no, he didn't know it was the Post. The Post didn't come to the New York Post. Was there an actual law against distributing the answers? Like, so I don't, uh, he got out, I mean, he didn't go to jail. I mean, he was, maybe he was in for a few hours, you know, his lawyer, whatever. That's what I'm he's saying. Like, bail. So I don't know. Try, they probably embarrassed him, but what law did he Yeah, but it was a big Chalashem, obviously. So, yeah, sure. so Moshe Feinstein was asked this question in it was Moshe in 1980. This was before the story, because I looked. This is 1989, right? And this Shuvah is Tavshinem, which is 1980. So mm. clearly, the was going on for nine years already when this, by the time New York Times first published the answers. Um, um, so, so Moshe Feinstein was asked the question: Can you steal chemistry regions? So I'm not going to go through all truths. It's a fascinating Shuvah. Um, but yeah, maybe we'll read a little. But everyone, you can follow along. There is the English is on the other side, parts of it, the punchline. I'm going to read it here. So it says, "He never dover." And this that you're asking that I heard in yeshivas, that material not tell me them, so, so it's, it was a bigger problem. As we know, many, unfortunately, many yeshivas do not take um, secular studies so seriously. And uh, in, in those days, at least, maybe it's gotten a little better, maybe a little worse. Depends where you, who you hang out with. So, um, so the, the yeshivas would not, and I wouldn't say they would publicly condone it, but they allowed. You know, they looked away. They knew students were cheating, but because secular studies weren't taken so seriously, and uh, you know, they claimed bitter which emotional address, and different things. You know, and so they they actually would look away. Meaning, it was a known thing in the public schools too. It wasn't only in yeshivas. So just blaming yeshivas, but the idea was that it, it was known. And so that's what the person is asking that they actually allow their students to cheat in a certain sense. Someone told me, I don't want to quote, I don't want to but someone said, in actually, in one yeshiva they. 
and you had a sign, I don't know, in the regions you didn't have a sign, but some type of standardized testing, you have to sign, so the principal would announce, sign, you know, it says sign that you obtained all the answers well, you know, your own knowledge, he would tell the principal would announce in the yeshiva to sign before they take the test, this way it's not lying. So if they sign before, they start the test, so this way you're not lying. So it was, it was pretty prevalent at that time. I think things have changed for the better. Um, but clearly, it, in 1989, no one was listening to Ramasha. This is true, it was written 10 years before. So, so Ramasha says very clearly, this question, he say he puts in parentheses this question, can you steer um, in this mifchanei, uh, this test, that shows in Amandina, and puts in parentheses regions, that uh, he calls them the regions, that they then get their tuda, their... Uh, how do you say to that? Certificate. Certificate of completion, meaning a diploma, where they say they completed it in good standing. So he says, he says, first of all, he says, first thing is, as we know, there's a concept in halacha called the government law, halacha recognizes, as long as the government law doesn't contradict halacha explicitly, in many cases, especially relevant to these type of laws, not everyone agrees, but Moshe is saying it would be prohibited because government law, halacha recognizes it, and now becomes halachically prohibited. So if the government has a law, don't go over 55, okay, and you're, in a, in, and you're speeding, you're going 75, you could be violating law. Okay, that's more questionable, that's even a safety issue, but, but uh, in many cases, Dino de Machus, he says, not only because of Dino Machus, that's number one, he says, he says, and secondly, it's Einzirak and Nevestas, not only Nevestas, which is what we discussed, that's prohibited because you're intentionally um, conveying a false impression that you know chemistry and you really, I don't know anything about chemistry, okay, that's number, number two, he says, not only that, but in motion has a massive chedesh here, which is very relevant to us. He says it's actually also cheating on your regions. It's also gnevas mama. You're actually committing theft of money. You're actually stealing in the real sense of stealing. He says, why is that? So he says a fascinating thing. So he says there's a number of issues. He says because when you now, if I cheated on my regions and I get a regions diploma and now I come to apply for a job somewhere to any employer, they're assuming I have, they're hiring me based on that I have a diploma. Whether it's a college degree, if you cheated in college, whatever the case is. So now that employer is hiring you based on that basis. Says so Ramosha, every time you're getting your paycheck, you're stealing. Because he hired you only because he assumed that you have, you know, a, a, you know, a, whatever it is, a 4.5 average. And uh, you graduate with a 4.0, whatever it is, um, either from high school or from, or from college. And therefore, if you cheated, so he wouldn't have hired you. The assumption is, and most saying not always, but the assumption is, for most jobs, you need at least a high school diploma. The guy wouldn't have hired you. Unless you're flipping burgers at McDonald's, they, even there, they want a high school diploma, want someone with a high school degree, a diploma, right? So he's saying, so for every time you, you get your paycheck, you're, you're, you're stealing money. You have no right to that paycheck. Okay? If you go to your employer on the interview and you say, listen, I cheated in 10th grade, my chemistry was, are you still okay with me staying in the job? Wouldn't buy, I don't know if did, so then obviously there's no problem. But if you didn't make that disclosure on the job interview, so as a Moshe, every time you get your paycheck, you're stealing. I don't want to know. I'm here to get nervous. But, but in a certain sense, he's saying, okay? That's what he, he, he seems to be saying. Um, he says, Ella, so that's what he says. Yeah, we can't get nervous, double mamish. Literally, you're stealing. Um, that's number one. Now he says another thing is, um, he says, maybe you're going to say, the guy's mind, listen, there's no reason to have a college diploma. I happen to be in this industry. I work for Amazon. So who cares? Amazon, like, do I really, any, as they say, you know, any knowledge, 
you know, you need for most uh, jobs today, you can you, know, you got by second grade. Yeah, and very little they used in high school. Right. Right. So usually, right. So you don't, you know, if you depending on what you're doing, but most many now for many careers today, you probably everything you know. There's nothing in high school is necessarily helping you. You can make that argument. He says, Ramosh, that's not an argument. Just because if this employer has a crazy akpada, he's <coughs> he wants some of the kaf with a college degree or a high school do, uh, high school diploma. So you can't say it's, it's irrelevant. He hired you based on that basis, and therefore, again, the fact that it's irrelevant to the actual job doesn't change anything. Okay, that's number one. So he says that's not an excuse, and it doesn't get you away from the lying part. But do you look also at the, the time period? Because you know, if they fire within a couple months, that means they probably it might have been an issue. If they fire it again, if they fired a person who lied on his application in a couple months, that might have been an issue. If he worked there ten years, that probably wasn't an issue. Mm -hmm. Again, but no, he's saying he's it's saying irrelevant. They wouldn't have hired him in the first place. Right, though. because they wouldn't have hired you. So therefore, you have no right to that job. And, and other people no, would have right, got the job. As far as the damages, there probably wasn't any damage. Yeah, well, we're, not, we're not discussing damages. I, he, doesn't, he doesn't say explicitly, like, let's say I worked in a place 10 years and I came about Balchuva, now I want to have to pay them back for the last 10 years. Yeah. Uh, he doesn't go that far. So it's interesting, which is really, you're right, that might be the question here. Getting, recouping your costs of the season tickets. So we'll get, we'll get back to that, hopefully. So he says, um, in another aspect he mentions here, is um, he says that let's say someone is caught uh, stealing in the office. I mean, there's, there's funds missing. You know, someone's uh, you know taking out of the slush fund, whatever the case is. So he's saying because you're portraying yourself as this from guy with a keeper and, and you're coming in and you're this from guy, he's he's going to assume automatically it's not you still. He's going to accuse someone else. Let's say there's only three employees in the office. He's right away going to go to you know he's going to be <coughs> racist, racist and go to the guy who. He thinks stole it. He's never going to assume you're not dishonest. But he says, really, Moshe, he should be accusing you because you, you know, you're, com you're not as honest as you're portraying yourself out to be. So and some other guy's going to get fired because he's automatically, because he's going to assume there's only choice of you or him, he's going to assume more. So if you cheat, then you should act not honestly. <coughs> well, he's saying so you have to disclose. He's saying that's why you need disclosure. You need full disclosure. That's, that was the takeaway. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> And at the end, at the end, he puts in, he puts in, just as a side, he puts in another few interesting points. He says, first of all, what about the Bittal Torah excuse? He said, I want to cheat on my regents because, you know, I, have to, I could spend more time learning. So he says, uh, he says that's, uh, you know, no one believes that really. He says that uh, at the end of the day, he says, on the contrary, he says, if there's a very fascinating thing to know to teach your kids, he much says this, no one, quote, oh, I never, no one quotes him, unfortunately, but he says that, you, that's wrong, he says, because if you're anyway spending the time, you have to spend the time for secular studies anyway. You might as well learn it properly. Don't try to <laughs> circumvent the system, you know, and say, listen, I can get, I can take easy street, I'm going to cheat, and therefore I'll spend less time studying my chemistry. He says, no, at the end of the day, you're going to have to spend time in class anyway. You know, they, they, they have a Gemara, people have a Gemara under the table. The real from kids in Yeshiva have the Gemara on the table during chemistry. He says, no, that's wrong. If you're, anyway, you're not going to be, let's see, you're not going to be learning properly anyway, so you might as well spend the time, once you're anyway spending the time, might as well do it properly, okay? Um, you know, it's, it's, don't, don't use the Bittal Torah excuse. I, I once asked my Rashiva, 
I was dating, I, I wanted to take a girl to a ball game actually on a date. Someone told me, it's a Shaila, I take a girl to a ball game on a date. So I went to ask my Rashiva, Abzal Gepstein, he told me, so he, he said, uh, he, he said, um, he told me, listen, he, anyway, well, it's Betul Tara date, it's Betul Tara anyway, so you might as well enjoy it. She might as well enjoy it, of course you should go to the ball game. <laughs> so Ramesh is saying, <laughs> which part are you laughing at? Classic. So, so, uh, so he, he says, so Ramesh is saying the same thing, listen, you, you're spending time on learning, studying chemistry, you might as well do it properly. And get the knowledge instead of trying to circumvent the system. That's, that's what he ends off here. And he says, um, he says, uh, there's no Bittu Torah, it's not a problem with Torah. He says, in most cases, it will help your career. It, it will help your career, actually, to know whatever you're learning, so it's an important thing. Okay, and then at the end, a little self-denial, Moshe says, I really don't believe, of course, that this was done in yeshivas at all. He says in the last paragraph, uh, <laughs> he clearly was not in my yeshiva. Um, uh, <laughs> yeah, but he says that this wasn't done, and I don't believe it, just because you read it in the papers, and even, he says, even Jewish papers are talking about it. He says, you can't believe any of it, it's Lashonara. Everyone knows, he says, that the uh, yeshiva students actually are much better than the public students. They, they score higher grades, and uh, don't believe, of course, it's all lies. Anyway, there's people trying to malign um, yeshivas. Okay, so that's, that's Ramosh is tshuva, uh, more or less, but, but basically with a chid, but what we want to take out from it is, first of all, he's saying the chidosh or Moshe is what he, or the novel idea here is he's saying, Ganevas Das, where you end up making money off the Ganevas Das, is not just Ganevas Das. So conveying a false impression, yeah, it's sheker, of course, it's asr to lie and it's cheating, there's no question that's prohibited. But when you're, you're conveying that false impression will gain you a monetary benefit, so now that mon monetary benefit becomes literal theft. That's the Chiddush of Moshe, which is a big Chiddush. He's saying that you're stealing, you're literally, you're a gun. Um, every time you get your job. Now, again, if you go to your boss, like, like Gary was saying, if I come five years after the job and I'm doing a great job, and I tell him, by the way, I lied on my, on, you know, originally, I cheated in 10th grade, probably the boss will agree. So that's probably the best case scenario to do. You wait till you appreciates the job you're doing. And then lie to get the job. <laughs> then, then, then no, that's a lie. You come and disclose it. Do you know, later. You yeah. No, so you could disclose it at that point. In most cases, the guy will be a reasonable boss if you're doing a good job. Yeah. He'll, he'll say, he'll, he'll respect you for, for letting him know. Now, There's a lot of startups that became billionaire unicorns that initially lied. Right, so, so, so there's many cases, by the way, Coaches, a lot of coaches is a, a common thing in uh, the startup world. I was the bank. So I don't know about the startup world. Even in the academia, there's many professors who, as, or politicians, also lie on the resume, and then they get the, you know, they get the job, and then it turns out they don't have a, no. they never went to Harvard. They Fake once, you know, I was like in my resume, I, you know, I was in Lakewood. I used to do partners in Torah in Princeton, so I always put on my resume, I gave classes in Princeton. I learned with a guy <laughs> in the dining room, you know, in the Hillel House for you know for a year. Uh, that's on my resume. So that's so that's what it's, it's a very it's an interesting <coughs> question because padding resumes is is illegal, obviously. But again, embellishing a resume, meaning you have to know how to say something. You know, if a guy just puts down, yeah, um, you have to know. It's a skill today. They pay people to write resumes, right? It's a, it's actually a profession because you have to know how to write. You can put the same skill set that you have or history that you have. You know, it's in a very nice embellished way, and that again, that goes back to the reasonable man. Everyone knows resumes are are what padded to a certain extent. Accurate, but 
probably misleading. You can write a resume. So again, so that's what I'm saying. I think embellishing your past skills. So for example, right, slightly embellishing is not a problem. It's lying. If I never went to Harvard, I say I went to Harvard. So for me, let's say, let's say in my case, I don't, wanna, I don't know what the law is. I never asked saying I taught. I taught in Princeton. Rabbi Grossman taught classes in Princeton. True, I did. I taught class. I learned with two guys for whatever it was two years. I did class, teach class in Princeton. It sounds like I'm a professor, you know, yeah. in Princeton. So, we, but I think most people look at me and understand that I didn't. I wasn't, uh, you know. <laughs> I don't think anyone would mistake me and, and think that I'm really um, taught class. But I have a cousin, just to give you an example. I'm mentioning names. He he went through the regular shiva system, and he got. Um, and he went to Turo and he got into Warden, which was at that, you know, that time's top, top business school in the country. So I asked him, how do you get into Warden? And he actually, by the way, he became a CEO of marketing for, for Post Serial, for Dan and Yogurt at one time. Yeah, he was a big guy. Hey, how did he get into Warden? He told me that he, on his resume, he's coming from Turo. That time Turo was a little, you know, <laughs> dinky school. And uh, this was around probably 30 years ago. So he wrote, he said that when he was in Mir, he, uh, he, a guy, uh, some falafel store, he helped uh, advise them on, you know, how to sell better, more, more meals to Mir. So he put down on his resume to Mir students. You know, some falafel store in Yeshiva. So he put down, um, was involved in the Better Business Bureau of Mayor Sharem, like things like that. <laughs> Literally lied on his resume, and that's how he got into Warden. So that could be a problem. There's not much Geneva. He got into Warden saying that he was a, literally opened the Better Business Bureau of Mayor Sharp. In Israel, in a foreign country, it was like a whole thing. So, uh, so <laughs> to check that would be a problem, right? <laughs> you know, no one ever heard of Mayor Sharp. No one. <laughs> so, <laughs> right. So, so, so that clearly, I would say, is a violation. You didn't ask me halach, but that clearly is a violation of halacha. But to say hey, you taught class in Princeton, you know, on your website, maybe uh, again, it's something that you need to speak to your local orthodox rabbi when you're patterning your kid's resume to get them into wherever you're trying to get them into. Okay, so, so, um, so meaning, so again, it's embellishing is okay. Like we're saying, the, what the reasonable man understands resumes are, are padded, but no one thinks that you cheated your way through high school. Um, well, it depends, unless you go to certain yeshivas. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe yes, but I'm saying I don't think anyone would, uh, would assume that for your average person. So, so that you might have to disclose. Again, depending on how you're writing, and that's what's a very complicated case, even, even in law, by the way, of defining what the reasonable man holds and what the reasonable man does. So, uh, so this, this truva, I think, is very relevant to the Astros. So getting back to the, just applying to the Astros, how would this work? I think it's the same question. Would the reasonable man should the reasonable man assume that uh, that the ash that people cheat and steal signs or they take steroids or whatever the case is? So again, I, I don't know. I'm not a big uh, sports person. And it would have to be answered by the by what. But what you're saying is, if, if it's very common that professional athletes, athletes, everyone knows they're on steroids. So then again, it wouldn't be really an issue. Um, the reasonable man can't claim I thought differently. Just like you're saying when you watch the commercial, you don't. He doesn't assume that. You know, he's going to get the woman with the car. He doesn't come with the car. Okay, so the same thing. You're going to a game. Listen, your kids might think that. Yes. Your little kids, they think, wow, it's amazing. This guy's an amazing editor. So, again, it will depend on that. So just to sum it up, the um, last paragraph here, uh, Marsha says here, he says, uh, first of all, it's illegal. Cheating on tests is illegal. Yeah, you're into serious trouble. By the way, I saw, um, of course, the deceit, like we're saying, is illegal, meaning you have the problem of Dina the Malchus Dina. That's the law of the land. So if it's illegal, and clearly it seems to be illegal in, in Major League Baseball, um, meaning that's another thing, you're violating your contractual obligation. If, 
if the players are signing contract where they're saying very clearly, we will not steal signs or we will not. So then, and of course you have to see that's that's clearly a problem of of some violating the rules within the rules to get so it again. So again, so again, if okay. you know, if I think, let's say, without technology, where everyone sees, you could see, if, uh, you could see the signs. If I figured out his signs that clearly. I think that's not the see. That's the normal part of of playing. As a professional athlete, you're, you're, you try to figure out the person's signs, right? In, in football, the big thing now is analytics, that they have artificial intelligence that yeah, can tell a coach in a certain situation what a quarterback's likely to do. And they know the quarterback's mind sometimes better than the quarterback. And okay, so again, I don't think that's normal. That's not, that's not <coughs> you know, it's not against the rules, but... Some people okay, so it's not against the rules that it's being done, so then it's, there's no the problem. They could theoretically give an unfair huh? They did the same thing in baseball. Yeah. Okay. So, um... What is it? Where does that argument stop the roster building? Like, you know, what about analytics for roster building? Like, you know... Um, there. I just uh, so this is by the way Maisha Shuva. I'm going to finish off. I, I found um, is actually happened to be yesterday in Shiva. Yair Hafman published an article in Shiva World, and he quotes. I didn't know he quotes. Zilberstein really um, says the same points as Ramosha really. Zilberstein was Yashiv son-in-law, but he says a f- another point here. Quotes from Yashiv. He says uh, he's also talking about cheating. On, he's not talking about the Astros. Um, Yashiv wasn't referring to the Astros. But he talks about cheating on state exams. So he's talking about actually here, it's government, which he says an interesting thing. Now, Yashav ruled that cheating on a state exam is not just stealing from the government, it's actually stealing from each and every taxpayer. Because um, it undermines the system put in place by the state and is thus considered theft from the people. Which sounds like a big chiddush to me. Well, Yashav's taking it even a step further than Ramosha. If it's a government exam, let's say like the regions, he's saying so, therefore they, the taxpayers set up a specific system of academia, of, uh, let's say, standardized testing. And if you go and and cheat on that standardized testing, so you're, it sounds to me unbelievable Kiddush, saying you're technically stealing from the people, the whole state, or everyone who pay taxes because they, this is part of the educational system. So that's also a big Kiddush, he says it. So, so the question is how to apply that to the Astros. So, um, you know, it's meaning again, it would sound like if, if the players, we've said before, who's the victim? So let's say I'm stealing signs with technology, in this case of the Astros, so really I'm stealing also, you could make that same argument, stealing from the fans. Just like Yashif seems to be saying, you're stealing from the people. I mean, cheating on a standardized test, I'm stealing from all the taxpayers that set up the system. That's what he seems to be saying, which again, I didn't see it inside, I only saw it on the internet. Um, so I don't know where it is inside, it doesn't quite the source. But you could make that same argument here. You're stealing from all the fans when you're stealing, even though I'm just cheating to, between the teams, but I'm now stealing from all the fans because they are all part of this greater system. You could make that, uh, and they're getting these illegally gotten hits, supposedly. Okay, and he says, a fourth point that he says here, which is interesting, Ramosha doesn't, Ramosha does allude to that also, that nothing good ever comes from such behavior. He sensitizes the person to cheating and to abuse of all that is good. Ramosha does say that. Ramosha says that, first of all, cheating, besides the moral problem, he says you're, when it comes, if, if you're taking shortcuts in your secular studies, you're going to use the same shortcuts for your Gemara learning and, and Torah learning, which is a problem. You know, you're going to end up using uh, an arts girl, or something like that. Um, so it could be a, a similar issue. So that's what he, he says here. You know, and your kids, by the way, you teach your kids cheating in moral fiber, son will end up rationalizing behaviors. You know, you could steal from the government, which is a whole issue. It happens to be the chuva uh, right before this one in Ramosha is about stealing from government programs where people tend to bend the rule also. He says, of course, that's Asr, Amish, and it's prohibited to do that. 
which is Mamish Kanev's mom. So speak to your local Orthodox rabbi if you're getting your kid into college or trying to get your kid into filling yeshiva or whatever it is where you're going to pad the resume. Um, so there could be potential problems, not just for now, but for the future when he gets a job. Uh -huh.